So good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children, ages two years old through first grade, make their way in that direction to junior worship. And for the rest of you who are here with us in the auditorium, take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 11. Joshua chapter 11. And as you were turning your Bibles to Joshua chapter 11, I want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship assembly, and that is the offering that we bring to God every Sunday. We make it possible for you to do that in four different ways. You can mail a check to our church address. You can give an automatic draft um, through, uh, through a bank. That's a very easy thing to set up. Or you can go online to our website, which is very easy as well, and click on the instructions that say give in the front box there. Or if you're here in person, you can drop your contribution off there in the box on your way out. And if you are not, sorry, I'm a bit distracted. If you are not here in person, but you're here with us live streaming, we are absolutely delighted to have you here with us this morning. We are honored and humbled that you would choose to be with us. Listen, I have, I have a couple of visual aids up here I want to share with you. The first one is an answer to prayer. Let me find Joshua chapter 11 here. I guess it was about three or four weeks ago I said to you all, you know, I've been praying for years for a red Corvette. Well, my prayers have been answered. One of our life groups says, that's it. We're going to get Eddie a red Corvette. So this was given to me this morning. Now, I had a larger size in mind when I was praying, but the door is open and everything, and I'm wondering if I go home and pour water on it. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, uh, you'll see me drive up the parking lot next week. Listen, at the end of what I'm going to share with you this morning, we're going to have communion together. We, as you can tell, we're not going to have communion at the tables. If that's catching you by surprise, we have these little communion sits, kits available, and if you did not get one, they are on that table, they're on that table, or if you're a little bit embarrassed to walk in front of everybody, you can get them in that far back table there in the middle. And if you're live streaming with us, it would mean the world to us that you not just watch, but that you engage with us in worship. And so um, we would encourage you to get your, your communion emblems and and um, prepare to, to share in this moment together with us. I, I'm going to focus primarily on one verse, and I'm going to focus primarily on one phrase in that verse. And that's in chapter 11 and verse 23. And the reason for this is because this is something that's personal to me. When I was reading through Joshua last year, as you ever read through the Bible and just, boom, this stands out and said, this is what I'm saying to you right now. And this just, this was something that I needed. We have been slogging through a very hard section in, the, in our series in Joshua through some stories of of many battles and fights and it's been difficult with the Canaanites against the Israelites or the Israelites against the Canaanites as, as we're following this story of them reclaiming the land. 
that God had promised to them. And so now as the battles have come to a close, we read here in chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, and I would love for you to follow along. Sometimes I put the scriptures up on the screen, sometimes I don't. But in chapter 11 and verse 23, we read, So Joshua took the whole land according to all the Lord had spoken to Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments. And the land had rest from war. And then if you keep reading into chapter 12, you're going to see the, the land that they claimed as they mentioned all of the kings and their kingdoms that were defeated. And then as you go through chapters 13 through 21, and we're going to look at that, not chapter by chapter, but at the larger section of that, is what they call the tribal allotments. All the land was divided up and given to the various tribes of Israel. And there's some incredible lessons to be learned there as well. But the phrase that was personal to me that I want to share with you this morning is in verse 23 where we read, and the land had rest from war. When I read that, I felt it. I felt a sense of relief. I felt a sense of finally, finally, this hard battles and fighting is over and now 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 I can rest I felt like I was need and it was really I was telling you this last week how these battles remind me of some of the stuff like I told you the movies that or shows I watched maybe I shouldn't have been watching about the Vikings I, I feel like when I read these stories that's what I've been seeing on TV and when I came to this somehow my mind went straight to a movie I'd watched some years ago maybe you've seen it it's called Saving Private Ryan I don't know if there's ever a movie in my life that exhausted me more than this movie when, when, when it started out they didn't Give me a chance to calmly meet the character. You know, they'll introduce the characters in the story, introduce the plot, and you, you slowly move into the drama. It's like, boom, right at the beginning, drama just hits. They drop you off on the beaches of Normandy, and you're there involved in the Allied invasion. Maybe you're not, but when I watch shows, ask Karen, I'm, I'm really captivated. I was, I was there. I was dodging bullets. I was running. I was ducking. I was, I was breathing heavily. It was just constant, and I kept thinking, man, I need this to stop. This is wearing me out. It just kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going. Until finally, there was a, a break in the action, and I was needing it. And then I could rest. And so that was a, a very similar feeling. When I was going through all of these battles in Joshua, and we were reading about men and women and children and livestock and buildings and cities being burned down and God sending his people out with swords I'm like maybe you maybe you're feeling this Eddie can we be done with this can you quit preaching sermons from this passage here in Joshua this is exhausting us and so now this narrative gives us a chance for a needed rest from a from a hard story and I want us to somehow just sit down. That's why I'm seated. 
and rest. Do you need rest? Oh, this is really personal to me. It may, <laughs> it may, it may come as a surprise to you. I doubt if you've spent more than 10 seconds with me that you will realize that I am an extremely hyper person. When I used to live in Baton Rouge and work there at the church, there were two Eddies on staff. And so to distinguish between one Eddie and the other, I was designated as fast Eddie. And I didn't like that. I didn't take that as a compliment. If, if I were sitting in a circle, you know, you sit in a circle with people and they go, they go, okay, what's your favorite color or, or what's your favorite whatever, everybody's around. If they were going in a circle and they were saying, um, what is your, what forest animal, you know, I love these uh, small group discussion questions, what forest animal do you most identify with? And it would be, it would be this guy right here, the Tasmanian devil. If you've ever been in my office You've seen him there. And the reason he's there is somebody in Baton Rouge at the church there gave him to me as a gift. As I was doing something kind of like what I'm doing right now, I'm just talking about how I'm so worn out from being me. I feel so exhausted. I feel so much like this guy. And some of you are looking at this guy going, who in the world is the Tasmanian devil? And so since you're clueless, some of you may be clueless, let me just give you a little taste of it with this video. So that's me. That's how at least I feel like that my life is. And I don't know if you saw me this morning, what's happening this morning. I don't get up and go, this is what I'm going to do today. It just happens. It's like, you ever see me on Sunday mornings here? It's embarrassing. It's like, bzzz, just going around, going around. It can, be, it, can be, it can be dangerous if you're walking in this hallway by my office door because it flips out. It goes out. And if I'm coming out the door, I don't open the door and look around and say, I just, it's like, a, like there's a fire, quick, out the door. And I open the door. And if you're standing there, uh, God bless you, you're probably, you're probably going down. When, when I eat, it's embarrassing. Ask Karen. My dad and my mom, dad, you're listening. Sometimes they'll say, Eddie, and Karen will say, Eddie, just slow down. It's like this hurricane over this plate and devouring a meal. When I chew gum, it wears me out. It's like I'm about to break my jaw. You can't see it, but on my sermon notes and my margins, I usually write two reminders to me. One of them is hands, hands all over the place to remind me to stop doing this. Like, what in the world is going on to me when I'm preaching? I don't say, now move this hand. It just happens. And I have these words all over here that say, slowly reminding me, because I speak so fast, slow down. Rest. This may surprise you too. 
I used to play basketball. And I remember one time when I was playing basketball, I went to this basketball camp and they were giving out trophies and, and I got the Hustle Award. I got a trophy that says the Hustle Award. And I realized that wasn't complimentary. I really Because the poor kid cannot play basketball. But look at him go on the court. Let's, let's give him the Hustle Award trophy. When I was playing flag football, intramural flag football in college, they nicknamed me Mad Dog. I don't like this about me. I don't want to be like this. I crave rest. So when I'm reading through Joshua, and I read in the land had rest, I just said, oh man, yeah. Whatever that is. Whatever it is, and however you find it, that's, that's, that's what I want. So I did, I did what a preacher would do. I thought, okay, this Old Testament's written in Hebrew, so I'm going to take a look in the Hebrew uh, lexicon, Hebrew dictionary, and see what this word means. And I thought, oh, yeah. Listen, listen to these words that define rest as the Hebrew language would intend for it to mean. Quietness. Tranquility, peace, stillness, undisturbed, settled, lie down. And I'm reading that going, oh yeah, oh that's what my soul craves. And I'm guessing that I'm not the only one (laughs) who identifies with this guy. It seems as though he characterizes our world that we live in. Anxiety, tension, chaos, overtime, rush hour, Insomnia, noise, political turmoil, wars, fighting, riots, racial tension, illness, financial uncertainty, debt, stress. These are all words that too often describe our lives and our land. And it says, and the Lord gave rest to the land in this text. And I think our land, our nation, and our lives desperately need rest. And here's, here's what's really interesting about this is, is, is I'm exploring, okay, what does that mean? What does it look like? He says this in the middle of the book. In the middle of the story and the land had rest and you would think and so they lived happily ever after. It's peaceful from that moment forward. But it wasn't. You keep reading. There's still struggles and still battles and still chaos and turmoil in the story of Joshua and the Israelites. And I'm thinking, I thought you said the land had rest. And I go to um, chapter 14 in, in verse 
21. And after a lot of turmoil and chaos, it says, and the land had rest from war. And then I'm reading on and on and I'm thinking, this doesn't look like rest to me. This doesn't look like rest to me. And I come to chapter 14, chapter 21, in verse 44. And I read these words and it says, and the Lord gave them rest on every side just as he had sworn to their fathers. So I'm seeing this coming up at the beginning and the middle and at the end and I'm thinking this must be a a main theme here in Joshua's story. I love love this in chapter 21 and verse 4 where it says, and the Lord gave them rest on every side. like everywhere you look. Oh man, that's what I want. On every side. So, that's at the end of the book pretty much. Chapter 21 is starting to close of the story. And so you're kind of thinking, great, it's over. Now they'll live happily ever after. But then you turn the pages, just two or three pages, and you move into the book of Judges. There's not a more tumultuous and chaotic book than the book of Judges. And so all of a sudden, I'm starting to learn what rest is and what rest isn't. From this verse alone, there's three really important things that I learned. First of all, rest is what the Lord gives. Notice it says, and the Lord gave them rest. Only God can give it. This is really clear scripturally. Look for it in your life, in your life circumstances. You won't find it. Only God gives it. And then secondly, it's what God promises. It says, just as he had promised. It's what God, he wants us to have it. But as I see it lodged in the context of Joshua's story... I learned that rest, whatever it is from God's definition, it's not the absence of chaos and turmoil and upheaval, but rather it's a rest that God promises and gives in the midst of chaos, upheaval, and turmoil. And and, and as I've been telling you every single time we have these lessons, Joshua is pointing us to Jesus. That's the whole, the whole Bible is pointing us to Jesus. And you start, and I've asked your life group to really talk about how do you see rest in Jesus' life and his example. And one of the best stories is in Mark chapter 4 where, where Jesus is asleep on a boat. I mean, how do you sleep on a boat? He's sleeping on a boat and he's not sleeping on a boat after a storm. He's sleeping on a boat in the middle of a storm on a lake and it's a crazy storm that fishermen believe is likely going to kill them and here he is asleep. This is what I have entitled this sermon, Fearless Rest. The incredible ability to rest and be at peace in spite of the storms because there is no fear in that soul. His disciples experienced fishermen who know storms on the lake wake him up like how in the world are you sleeping how don't you realize don't you care that we're going to die Jesus stood up and I love these words he says in in the ASV quiet be still oh he he's more than welcome to say that to me every day 10 times a day And he said it to the waves and the storm. And it says there in that passage, 
that the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? There's that fear. It's in the book of Joshua, being fearless. Here Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't live with that. Rest. In John chapter 14, in verse 27, he tells his disciples, peace. And and that could be the equivalent to rest, okay? That's the way I'm drawing it. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. But it's not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Oh, there's so much anxiety and fear in our lives, in our nation, in our world that robs us of rest. John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that, and this is crucial, you see this, in me, meaning in Jesus, that in me you may have peace. That's only where it's found. Because he then goes on to say, in this world, he doesn't say, you might have problems. It could happen every once in a while. It's a promise. (laughs) It's a promise. Just as God promises rest, he promises tribulation. So you're going to have to figure out how both of those promises are filled. It's a rest in the midst of tribulation. And so that's really important. If, if I am looking to find peace and rest for my soul by the circumstances of my life, I will live with a continual gnawing discontent and unfilled expectation of that which will never happen because I'm looking for it in the wrong place. There's this mentality we have, a mentality I have is if once I just get over this hump, Once I get finished with this right here, oh man, that's going to be so great. Really? Have we not learned that Jesus says it doesn't stop? In this world, you will have tribulation. Wasn't it interesting last week? We were in Joshua 11, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 11. And on the Sunday we were talking about Israel being at war, Israel was at war. Right now, they're at war with Hamas. It's like, in my lifetime, how many peace treaties have they had? And yes, finally, the land has rest and they're at peace. And here they are at war. It's again and again and again. It just doesn't stop. It was the British author H.G. Wells who coined the expression, it's the war to end all wars. He was talking about World War I. Really? It, it doesn't stop. After the revolutions in Eastern and Central Europe, so many countries were finally freed from the oppression of the Soviet Union and the lands and the countries had rest and they could be free. But you can't help but wonder how long would that last? And now the war in Ukraine validates that question. It just keeps going on. It, it's been a while 
since we've had a mass shooting in a school or a mall or a church building. We're at rest. In the back of your mind, are you wondering, when's it going to happen again? And I think, don't be so pessimistic, Eddie. (laughs) In this world, you will have tribulation. But in me, Jesus says, you may have peace. Realistically and biblically speaking, once you get over, we get over whatever hump this is, once the war in Ukraine ends, once the crisis with Israel and Hamas comes to a close, once you get over whatever crisis of physical illness that you're facing or financial crisis that you're in, once we get past whatever racial, racial tension there is or political turmoil does that ever end, whatever calamity we have of natural disasters of hurricanes or tornadoes or fires, there's going to be something else. There always will. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's the idea in the book of Joshua. In the midst of tribulation, God is giving them rest. We find rest for our souls in Him him alone that's where we look and so if you're thinking Eddie I think you're taking the book of Joshua and stretching it just a bit too much no I'm not we're not going there today but we're going to Hebrews anyway but not chapter 4 in chapter 4 of Hebrews in this section of scripture there's a large section and 11 times he speaks about rest and the whole time he's talking about the rest promised in the book of Joshua and how there's a greater rest that we find in Christ and it's such a big section I thought oh man that's going to be a sermon later when we get to the end of Joshua it says they had rest on every side then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 4 probably do a couple sermons out of that but I only want to take you to Hebrews as we as we enter into communion to share with you how this theme of rest is found in what we're about to remember in Christ's death and his burial and his resurrection. And it's in one of my, one of the most meaningful, I don't know, one of my favorites, one of the most meaningful passages of Scripture to me in Hebrews chapter 10. Please turn there. I would like for your eyes and ears to hear it. Uh, your eyes to see it, your ears to hear it. So in Hebrews The whole theme, Jesus is greater, whatever it is, he's greater. And so in that theme of Jesus is greater, whatever it is, he's greater. In chapter 10, he's saying, just look at the Old Testament priest. And look at what they do. And he's comparing the sacrifices and the service of the Old Testament priest to Jesus, our high priest, and his sacrifice. And in this comparison, we read these words. And I'm, I'm reading in verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down. He sat down at the right hand of God. 
waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he is perfected for all times, those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for... But bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of sins, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. And so what I want you to see there, there's a ton for you to see there. That's why that passage has been given to in your life groups to to read and unpack more. But I only want you to see now um, the main thing is that there's this comparison between the Old Testament priest standing and Jesus who is seated. He's seated. You got this picture of these Old Testament, of these, of these Old Testament priests. It just says day after day, again and again, they're standing, they're offering sacrifices. It really never can fully forgive. It can really never give you that peace and rest that your soul longs for with God. There's always something more to do. There was never enough that they could do. And that's just like, yeah, that's our lives. And and in contrast to these priests who were standing every day, we read that when Christ offered his sacrifice for sins, I love this, once for all, it says, he sat down. (laughs) He sat down because it was finished. Did you hear what I just read? The complete work of Christ through what he did once and for all has made you perfect and holy forever. There is nothing more you need to do to be more perfect, more holy, and more forgiven. He has done it on the cross And he sat down. And so, you may be seated. And you can rest in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Therein, we find rest for our souls. But listen, remember in the book of Joshua, it's the same idea. I'm not saying conflict-free life once you walk out that door. That's not real. It doesn't mean a trouble-free or a struggle-free life, but it means a rest for your soul in the midst of the storms because you're at peace with God and that positions you to be at peace with your fellow man. And it's a, it's a fearless work, not only in the finished work of Christ on the cross, but also the empty tomb plays a role in this. Because of the resurrection, for all who place their faith in him, it gives us a hope, a certain and a future hope of the uncertainty of the trials and the present struggles. We have a hope to hold on to, a hope that holds on to us. And in that hope, we have rest. And so in communion, there's so much that that we remember. We remember the emblems 
of his body and blood given on the cross, but I want you to really be reminded of and enter into the finished work of Christ and the rest that we have in him. And so I thought, well, in keeping with that theme, I don't want you to get up and do anything. I don't want you to go to tables. I want you to stay seated as a symbolic embrace of the finished work of Christ. I'm going to say a prayer. And then after that prayer, we're just going to be, we're going to rest and take a moment of silence. I'm going to allow you to take communion yourself and I'm going to ask you to say your own prayer. I'll start the prayer, but I would ask you to pray. And not just a prayer of thanks and response to the cross, but lifting up to God and say, God, I've come this morning with this burden or this anxiety. I want you to lift it up to him. So let's enter in that time as I begin this with a prayer. Father, we thank you for these two emblems that symbolize they're such a small little thing in a Ziploc bag, but it's huge, Lord, that symbolizes your finished work on the cross. It symbolizes that which gives rest to our souls. And so we come to you in this moment And we call upon and we embrace the promise you've given us in Scripture. Where you tell us that it just sounds in our worldly sense so absurd. Don't be anxious about anything. Lord, there's so much to fill our lives with anxiety. We've come this morning with so much anxiety. But you tell us with that to come to you in prayer. And there in the closeness of your presence. You promise to give us peace. A rest that transcends all understanding. You describe it as a peace that guards our hearts and minds of all that we're faced with currently in our lives. God, we desire that. So as we take these emblems and offer up to you these prayers, we receive and hear these words of invitation that you originally spoke to your 12 disciples and others who were listening. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.